What does the future of decentralization look like, and why have I broken it into four separate phases? It starts like this. Just about any nation you go to in any part of the world, you will find people that want a new way of governance for their people. So human governance is probably the quintessential topic for any shift in power or control, any sort of regime that is toppled, any sort of empire that crumbles. It all boils down to uh, the battle of two separate and polar opposite ideals. Those that seek control and those who do not. This has manifested in many ways as many groups and many cultures, many political stances, many religious stances, and it always boils down to people who find value in control and people who find no value in control. This has been the war of the two ideals since the beginning of history. Every single war, dispute, regime changed, or empire falling has always boiled down to those who don't want control go up against those who do want control. So how do these four phases break down if Ultimately, everything, given enough time, boils down to needing to change government, which is why republics are so useful um, and why democracies are so dangerous. Um, so how does this boil down? Like, how do we start this today? Instead of, you know, asking ourselves, how do we just replace government with decentralization today, which the world is not ready for that. The world needs to figure out what this long-term goal is and work backwards from there. When I first identified that, you know, eventually decentralization would make its way to government and I realized that that's not the place to start, I started to work my way backwards and I realized, okay, what does government report to now? Of course, bankers, specifically central bankers. Um, not the distributed bankers that most of us are familiar with and use, but the very central bankers. How do you define that into something that needs to be changed? Because that's not where you start. Um, that's phase three. This is phase three is what I call centralized investments. We see the rise of crowdsourcing and popularity, and this is very decentralized in nature. And eventually we will have systems that will replace centralized investment um, that look a lot like crowdsourcing evolved. This will replace everything from central banks to the real estate industry as we know it. Um, what Westerners consider mainstream medicine will be redefined as we know it. Uh, decentralization will increase as it always does. Um, ethics, it will um, make it harder, nearly impossible to do things that are unethical, um, that 
breed cronyism in the private sector today or big government in the public sector today. Um, so phase three is decentralizing centralized investments. This means redefining everything from real estate to medicine to Wall Street. And then phase two, what is phase two? What needs to happen before that happens? Well, how do uh, the central bankers stay in control? Of course, it's mass manipulation through, uh, you know, Bernay family style marketing, which he literally wrote the book on propaganda called Propaganda before, you know, he came out with that before the Nazis made propaganda famous for a different reason. He started calling it something else. So he rebranded it to public relations. Um, anyways, public relations eventually um, spawned advertising back then. Um, pretty much everything under the marketing umbrella until the internet spawned the popularity of growth hacking. Essentially decentralized marketing. Um Ethical marketing is what I call growth hacking. So what is phase two? Phase two is decentralized information, specifically in the forms of anything other than education. So entertainment, what news has become. News used to be education, but now news as we know it is first and foremost entertainment. So entertainment, this means decentralizing Hollywood, this means decentralizing news. And what does this look like? This looks like decentralized journalism. This means journalists can report real news outside of a news corporation. We no longer would need a centralized structure such as a news company to obtain new information. Entertainment would no longer need to be centralized. So Entertainment would no longer rely on advertisements. It would no longer rely on the production style that we are used to, the top-down single or small group of investors to make entertainment happen. This also leads more towards crowdsourcing. I don't think people understand the power of crowdsourcing, how nobody thought that it would take off the same way nobody thought that Wikipedia would take off, nobody thought that Amazon would take off, no one thought that Tesla would take off. All of these things Things follow decentralized structures. So understanding that phase two is decentralized information and entertainment, which right now are married and inseparable and need to get a divorce. We need to divorce entertainment from information. But what is phase one? Phase one is education. Education is the base information that we all use to discern what new information is true or false. This is why we have problems with fake news, why people need it explained to them what is and isn't fake news, why people throw that word around without actually knowing because they don't know how to know because we were all poorly educated for a reason. We memorized a lot. We are very good human computers. We are very good lawyers. We are very good doctors. We are very good accountants except for when it comes to having new ideas. We are great rule followers that can know a lot, but we don't really come up with anything new. We've been trained to think more like computers than what makes people great, which is ideas, which was 
what education was supposed to be about. People having ideas, not being trained to be afraid of being wrong or being afraid of failing or being afraid to ask questions. That's the biggest sin of society today is people are terrified to ask questions that nobody else is asking. That childlike impulse to ask why that got beaten out of us sometime when we were young because somebody in our family or at school or in our neighborhood made fun of us for asking why. When we were very, very young, probably before school age, that's why we mock people who sound like a child when they ask why too much. Why, why, why? This pure curiosity that leads to new ideas is something that is beaten out of us. Because the system doesn't want new ideas. Because if we really stopped and thought about it, we'd realize that the systems we live in, phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four, all of these systems that decentralization would nullify and make a more ethical alternative, something way beyond what anarchy could have ever come up with, something real and practical, an ethical solution that is beyond capitalism. It is capitalism evolved that is beyond socialism. It's socialism evolved. This is probably where things become the most confusing for people who think one is bad or the other one is bad. I used to think that way, and now I've come to understand That if we're afraid of new ideas and we want the belly rubbing of somebody validating the ideas that we were trained to know, we're going to be terrified if anybody ever said, what if we took the best of capitalism, the innovation and the best of socialism, the impact, the positive impact on other people? And we separated them from their archaic ideal forms before we had the tools we have today. And we evolve it to something new, something that goes beyond profit, where impact is the mission, where innovation is not sacrificed for impact like it was with socialism, where impact is not sacrificed for innovation like it is with capitalism. How do we have both? that works side by side, this is where decentralization thrives. This is why Wikipedia thrived despite all the central thinkers saying that it wouldn't. This is why Amazon thrived despite all the central thinkers saying it wouldn't. This is why Elon Musk is a genius from marketing the idea that he was playing the centralist game and when they found out he wasn't, people started to realize it was working. Elon Musk is very, very important because Wikipedia and Amazon are one of many proofs that decentralization works In the digital realm. We know it works. That's why Silicon Valley is kind of this misunderstood genius child in industry. It came out of the blue. It skyrocketed. And then it bottomed out and still skyrocketed again to make the dot-com bubble 
very, very confusing. Because they can have a crash that should have had a depression, but it didn't. And Elon Musk is saying, we can apply this to areas outside of tech, like production and manufacturing. And this is something decentralists have known for hundreds of years, but haven't had the tools to really make it happen until the past 30. Tesla, SpaceX, all of these organizations are just the beginning of how we apply decentralized philosophy outside of technology. How do we apply them to things like fossil fuels to make it better, to make people want to do something other than fossil fuels? How do we give them a reasonable alternative that complements both the capitalists and the socialists? This is the amazing principle of decentralized philosophy. And it's only a matter of time before it's applied to education, before it's applied to journalism, before it's applied to investments, and inevitably before it's applied to government, where we can have constitutions without corruption, where we can have investors without corruption, where we can have news without corruption, where we can have education without corruption. And we do this not by decentralizing it so, you know, every teacher, you know, investor or journalist or government official is a computer algorithm. That's not the goal. It's just to decentralize the middlemen because the middlemen is where the corruption happens. Not 100% of the time for each of the middlemen, but 100% of the time the corruption happens in the middlemen phases. Not with each one every time, but enough to know that if we could cut out the middlemen, we cut out where the majority of corruption happens. This is not a utopia. I do not believe in a utopia. And decentralists do not believe in a utopia. We are realists to the core, which is probably what is most confusing for most people. How we could have hope in something that has never happened before, that has never been able to happen prior to about, you know, 10 to 30 years ago, depending on what you think was technologically possible, And now we have something that we have so much fear of what could be. Why can't we counterbalance it with hope of what could be? Hope of something different, something that hasn't been tried before, something new, a new way of dealing with economics where we could have all the economic philosophies happen simultaneously in a way that doesn't affect living people. That means we don't have the consequences of death that can happen in both, you know, crony capitalism or crony government. If we remove that factor and we remove that ability to control, we can remove the ideas from their ideals in ways that has never been possible before. This is not something that I created. This is not something that I invented. This is not something that my team invented or created. We are simply decentralized marketers 
sharing with the world what is possible, what is happening. Because we understand that we can't stop this. This is happening. It is inevitable. And we're just trying to recruit other marketers to see that you don't have to sacrifice impact for profit or profit for impact. And that is the goal of a decentralized future. Realizing that to make decentralization succeed, we need to move it beyond the application to code. And we need to apply it to human consciousness. The Library of Alexandria Foundation, the new Library of Alexandria Foundation, is applying this to where it is most pivotal. The information that we use to discern what is real, what is true, and how to improve our own lives, our very education. The Library of Alexandria Project is applying decentralized philosophy to education, what we identify as phase one. We don't know whether or not we'll be a part of phase two, phase three, or phase four. We just know with our core team that education is something we are so passionate about that even though other people are already working on this, we feel we have to do our part by connecting them in what we're calling a new internet of education where we are connecting these decentralized thinkers to empower them, to realize that there is something better Maybe beyond our own lifetime, but we can build better. If we take ourselves out of the equation, we can build better, not just for ourselves and for our family, but for the entire big picture where we benefit along with everyone else. This is so much more than what Karl Marx could come up with with capitalism, with, sorry, with socialism at his time. He just didn't have the tools to come up with it. And even though I've never believed in socialism, I now can understand how it can marry with capitalism, which is something I believed in for a very long time. And being able to set aside my desire for profit, for impact, realizing I never want another person to struggle as much with education, despite the fact that I had every, you know, privilege and opportunity that is available to most humans and yet I still struggled and I can't imagine my children going through that realizing if I'm at the top of the human food chain and I still struggled then I can't even comprehend what other people struggle with if they don't have the kind of infrastructure and safety net that I was awarded. If I struggle as painfully as I did, that I had no reason to drop out, but my ingredients couldn't add up to not dropping out of high school. And something is systematically, fundamentally wrong with our education. Not just the systems, but the way we even look at what education is. And we realize that it's a centralized education idea. And we are trying to flip the script on that. 
so that my future children and their future children and their future children and everyone's future children never have to worry about how or where they're going to get that baseline. We call this free education through capitalism because this has spawned from something capitalism never expected would happen. What the industrialists hate happened. This is spawned from the decentralized nature of technology, the internet, and other types of advanced byproducts that were a means to an end for industry, but is taking capitalism into a different direction, a more ethical direction, a more decentralized direction. And with this, we see a bright future with lots of hope within our own lifetime, possibly before I even start having kids. This is something I desperately need for the world. And I am pleased to say that when I started, I was afraid I was alone. And I'm realizing I am far from alone. If this is appealing and you don't know how it could be possible that this is crazy talk, trust me, I've been there. But realizing that there are people much smarter, much more talented, much more well-connected than me, working on this in every sector you could imagine. I feel far from alone, connecting the geniuses around the globe who are applying a decentralized form of education in their own neighborhood, in their own locale, in their own stomping grounds. And I'm just trying to connect them in a way that will make them unstoppable, in a way that will make it grow exponentially, in a way that will leave no mind untouched from the opportunity of education. This is the entire spectrum of human education. I'm not talking about just K through 12. We're talking about university level, extended education. We are talking about continued education. We are talking about entrepreneur life. We are talking about freelancers. We are talking about homeschooling, normal schooling, quote unquote normal schooling. We are talking about everything, unschooling, world schooling. All of these things are interconnected so that it is never inconvenient to get the education you need just because you only have a few in front of you. This is something we are doing to benefit the families of the world. The Library of Alexandria Foundation is never taking a cent of profit. It is already self-sustainable. In fact, the only thing it needs is attention. (laughs) That was kind of the most amazing discovery I made, was realizing that All we need to do is to follow the advice of the first visionary of the digital revolution and think different. And instead of selling the idea to think different, we're evolving it to create the impact that that visionary could never have in his lifetime. And that is to decentralize an open source education for the benefit of all humans, 
to get them to think different, think beyond fear, think beyond anxiety, and have hope again so that parents can have hope, so that parents with children that are different can have hope. Parents of different children, whether that means different in the way they look, different in the way they talk, different in the way they think, whether or not it's the color of their skin, the sex they were born with, or the chemistry of their brain. Parents do not deserve to have fear when it comes to how will my child be educated? Because that breeds from the idea that they have a hard time getting educated, even as adults. And this is something that needs to change. Whether or not it's for children, adults, where you are in the world, what side of what border you're on, what color your skin is, what genitalia you have, or whether or not you're mentally ill or autistic, it shouldn't ever matter. We shouldn't have the question, will I be able to be educated? There are enough of us to figure out how that happens, and we're just trying to connect the dots. So that question is much easier to answer. Just like every other question that used to be hard, which is only a Google away. How do we make it beyond the infrastructure first world countries have? How do we go international and maybe one day beyond international to have that baseline education so that we learn how to ask questions again, so that we learn to not be afraid of curiosity so that we don't feel dumb because we want to ask a question we've never heard asked before. Because that's where genius begins. Asking the questions we've never heard asked. We shouldn't be afraid to ask these world-changing questions. Please support us in this vision. In any way you can. We need time. We need talent. We need attention. If all you can give is money, you can give that too. We will make sure it gets to the right places to help the people who haven't figured out a sustainable idea yet, but are trying to make the impact in the world. These are the bridges we're trying to gap to get education sustainable for the first time in human history. We can do it. Most of all, this is a marketing effort. Essentially, what we're doing is taking the model of Steve Jobs, how he got everyone interested in computers in a day when it was the hobby plaything of engineering nerds. And he got everyone to not only want a computer, but to want a computer in their pocket. And we're trying to do the same thing with this decentralized philosophy. So we desperately need marketers that want to think different. Because we are not trying to build a centralized marketing machine like Steve Jobs did. We want to create a lot of Steve Jobs. We want to make everyone 
the Steve Jobs of decentralization so that they can create their own piece of the proverbial apple pie. This is the goal we're looking for. People working together to create impact. Front load the efforts now so that it is easily accessible for all time for the ever-going future of humankind. This is what we're trying to build. We desperately need marketers. We desperately need educators. We desperately need entrepreneurs. We desperately need innovators. We desperately need creatives. We desperately need musicians, artists, filmmakers, storytellers, authors, any type of artist that exists. We need you all because you are the storytellers. You are the inventors of the ideas of mankind. We need you all to help lead us into a better future. To help understand that we are on the verge of a new way of thinking. We are on the verge of a more positive human impact than humanity has ever seen. We're just trying to rally the troops until we don't need us anymore, until we think differently. At that point, the Library of Alexandria project will be done. We're not looking for a long-term ROI in the creation of this endeavor because this is not our project. This is everyone's project, everyone alive now, and everyone that will ever live. We hold no more right to this than anyone else. We carry a lot of responsibility to be among some of the first, but we realize that we are not alone. There are already so many doing this with us. Please help us connect the dots of these great visionaries on local levels to create this new internet of human self-education.